Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. All right, as I record this episode so far to start at 5.30 in the morning, as you can tell, I'm more than a little cranky. You know, the Giants lose on another fluky field goal for the second consecutive year in a critical game that we needed to have after the Eagles debacle last year. We got Carolina and Graham Gano pulling a rabbit out of his ass, kicking a 63-yard field goal in a place that's not Denver. You know, there were multiple things that were wrong with the Giants on Sunday. Yes, Eli screwed up. Yes, there were still nonsensical calls against the defense. Yes, the play calling was uninspired for the most part, except for a few plays. But guess what? The guy who started this whole mess in the first place, Odell Beckham Jr., screwed this thing multiple times. He's He had the turnover on the punt return when he's blocking like an idiot instead of actually acting like a return man and being aware of where the ball is at all times. And he has a fourth down drop. You know, and for Odell to come out after the game saying that his comments motivated the team, hey, numbnuts, we lost the game. We lost the game. It's a team loss. You know, for you to sit there and say you rallied the team, that only counts if you actually win the game. Shut up already. The fact that you still screwed up in the game itself is a big deal. The fact that your coach made you apologize. And no, Pat Shermer telling the media that he didn't make Odell apologize is not something you take at face value. Football coaches are professional liars. They are paid to lie to the media. And this fused the truth for the better of the team. You lie about certain things. Odell should have lied during that interview. Instead, he threw everyone under the bus except himself to Josina Anderson of ESPN. You know, of course, Pat Shermer made him apologize to his teammates. Of course, he had to go downstairs and apologize to his teammates. But of course, that story's not going to get told to the media by Pat Shermer because guess what? Unlike Odell, he's a professional. Odell acts like a child. He got $65 million guaranteed on that extension. It's time for him to grow up. This team sucks. I hope people realize that, again, the reason why I was flipping out during the draft is because the Giants needed more offensive line help. Dave Gettleman made a bad gamble. I talked about this a few days ago, about why the Giants are so bad. The fact of the matter is, we don't have any linemen that are truly Pro Bowl caliber right now. Nate Solder, solid uh, solid left tackle, but his uh, you can tell his best days are behind him. He can still pass block, but he's not going to be that great at run blocking. Now you see why New England was kind of okay with letting him go and letting Brady 
uh, deal with a new left tackle. So it is what it is. But, you know, for everyone to stick their head in the sand and try to act like this is an Eli Manning problem when there's an institutional problem with the Giants going on right now is disingenuous and dumb. Because guess what? There are multiple problems going on. Odell's not the sole problem. But Odell needs to get his head out of his ass. Because guess what? Even when your number's called, you're still not delivering where you're supposed to be delivering. Sterling Shepard, stop throwing temper tantrums on the sideline and know the goddamn playbook. Because guess what? Your Brown running wasn't all that sharp yesterday. You can throw temper tantrums all you want, but guess what? The routes weren't that crisp. Eli still uh, threw a bad interception. Yeah, it happens. But that second one was on you, uh, Sterling. You cut the route off. So, you know, there are multiple ways of going about it and pointing fingers at the Giants, but that doesn't help the situation. The fact of the matter is the New York football Giants are 1-4 and have to go into Philly to save their season, which I don't think can be saved. Because you got a a Philly team that's pissed off and not playing well, and they know they're going to have to win this game against the Giants. And guess what? Doug Peterson did not call a good game on Sunday against the Vikings. So he's going to have his games amped up. You know, Odell needs to shut up and play uh, and ball on uh, Thursday night. I want to see if Odell balls balls out Thursday night because guess what? The Eagles secondary sucks. This uh, this is the game where we can't have any drops from Odell. Guess what, Odell? Like, this ain't the game. It's like... You you talked a big game. You didn't come. Th- you you made a couple of plays, but you still had some screw ups. And guess what? You can't have any screw ups Thursday night. It's a short week, and it's the matchup that best favors you. So guess what? You better sack up, buddy. No bit no big drops on the deep route because guess what? The Eagles are going to be blitzing all the time, and those corners are going to be an island one on one with you. So guess what? You better high point the ball. Uh, so what else can I rant about today besides the Giants? Because I'm already aggravated. You got the Cowboys last night playing one of the least inspired games of football you'll ever see. I felt like apologizing to everyone watching Sunday Night Football last night. Because between Bill O'Brien and Jason Garrett, you have two coaches that should be fired this year. And probably won't be for reasons that I can't fathom. Because Bill O'Brien somehow cannot figure out how to use Deshaun Watson, DeAndre uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and Will Fuller in the same offense and actually get the ball out and, and put up points in the red zone. It, it's incomprehensible with the amount of weapons, including Kiki Kuti, that they just drafted. They, they can't get the ball in the end zone. It's ridiculous. Then you got, like... Grandmaster Garrett, I, I I don't even know what to call him other than the clapper because all he does is smile like an idiot and clap like a monkey. Uh, you know, Jason Garrett, you're in overtime. You're in Houston territory. There's less than five minutes to go in overtime. Why the hell are you punting on a fourth and one? Literally, you have one of the best off- offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in football, and you're punting on a fourth and one from the Houston 40. The best field position scenario you can hope for is that somehow your punter gets inside the five-yard line. So if anything, you would take the five-yard penalty to give your punter more room. Instead, no, he doesn't even do do any of that. And guess what? You change field position by 20 yards. And guess what? Houston finally drives down the field to kick a game-winning field goal. 
but no one understands why Jason Garrett made that decision. He's the only one who actually agreed with the decision. Dak questioned the decision. Jerry Jones questioned the decision. Yet this guy is still in the job and consistently fails to get the job done. This is why Dallas can never take advantage of the NFC East with Jason Garrett at the helm because they need overwhelming talent to beat teams because Jason Garrett cannot elevate average level talent to being a good playoff team, which is a sign of a good coach. Anyway, what else can I complain about? Hugh Jackson not actually understanding overtime rules. The Browns win a game on a walk-off game-winning field goal, and Hugh Jackson still thought the game was still going on because he doesn't understand the overtime rules. Uh, You know, I I can't with some of these coaches. I can't. Mike Zimmer plays prevent defense against the Eagles up two scores after they just drove down the field on an excruciating long eight-minute drive to kick a settle for a field goal to go up two scores. He plays prevent defense and allows the Eagles to drive all the way down to score in less than uh, 90 seconds. Why? It's like it literally, he made it a game where the Eagles could have come back and stolen that if that onside kick goes another way because Adam Thielen bobbled the onside kick. You know, there were so many bad coaching decisions on Sunday. I don't understand how these coaches are, like, I think, honestly, NFL coaches are on such a high wire that, like, you're starting to see some of them just have meltdowns, and the brain cramps are becoming more and more apparent as the season's going along. Just with the amount of rule changes going uh, going on, these coaches are overthinking things because too many scenarios are popping up where it should be simple to figure out what's going wrong. I, I, I gave you another example. The Dolphins up 17 nothing. Uh, they're playing the Bengals. The Dolphins start having offensive line injuries throughout. Adam Gase can't fucking coach his way out of a paper bag. I mean, literally, as soon as Laramie Tunsil uh, gets injured, it, it, it was over. The Bengals just dominated the rest of the game. It's unbelievable. I, I can't I, I can't understand some of these coaches. Uh, same thing happened with Tennessee. Uh, you, you had, you had uh, Taylor Lewan get injured, and then all of a sudden the Tennessee offense grinds to a halt against a Bills team that, again, is still the worst team in football. Yet they have two wins because some of these coaches can't figure out what to do with these squads. It's un it's unbelievable. I mean, this is just bad football we're watching. This is not parody. This is just bad football in general. Uh, I'll get to the recap in the NFL a bit later. Uh, I, I just need to get that whole rant out. It's 530 in the morning, folks. So, okay, 545 correction. But, uh, you know, I'll get the rest of this episode done later after I calm down because it's just, it's too ridiculous watching some of these games and trying to put on a face that I'm actually being thoroughly entertained. This is just a lot of bad football that's going on right now. I'm sure the league's happy because scoring's up, but man, oh man, this is some crappy football. That's all I can say about that. We're not seeing quality football, and it's showing uh, apparent. I don't know if it's the rule changes. I don't know if it's just some coaches just having bad bad starts of the year. I don't know if it's the referees just being as horrible as they are right now because the refs are horrible. 
Uh, Mike Tomlin flat out said as much in his pre- post game press conference after a win, no less. He didn't want to say after a loss last week because I'm sure that's what he wanted to say last week. But because the Steelers lost, uh, he had to wait till this week to like air out his grievances. But yeah, he, Tomlin's right. The referees have been terrible this year. You know, you get you're getting more referees retiring, and guess what? The uh, the new referees being brought in are just as bad as the replacement refs that we had a couple of years ago. This is just not a good situ- situation. The NFL has to stop being uh, such cheapskates and hire full-time referees and get this corrected. But anyway, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot to something else along the lines of the UFC 229 debacle, uh, just because I I need to talk about something other than the NFL uh, for a little while uh, while I get my bearings. So uh, let let's get right down to it uh, with what happened at uh, UFC 229 on Saturday night. But first, hey Throwdown Nation, are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Strau have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. All right, let's get down to it with UFC 229. Uh, This was hyped up to be one of the biggest fight, if not the uh, biggest fight of all time for UFC. Uh, A matchup between Conor McGregor, obviously... uh, transport uh, superstar now that he had his uh, circus with Floyd Mayweather and uh, gained even more mainstream appeal. Conor came back to the UFC to fight the undefeated uh, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, uh, the lightweight champion in Conor's absence. And it was a lengthy absence because Conor hasn't been in the, uh, hadn't been in the octagon in two years uh, prior to Saturday night. So, uh, this was a matchup where pretty much, uh, as I said before, the f- the the money was on Connor from the public over 85%. And this is why I was putting out the warning to anyone and their friends betting on Connor. This was a terrible matchup for Connor McGregor. You know, sometimes it could be a case where, uh, I and I still believe this, Connor can win that fight four out of ten times. But. It's, it's not necessarily a fight where it's going to be 4 out of 10 he wins. It's one where he needs certain things to go right. And on Saturday night, uh, none of that was transparent. The counter did look rusty in, in certain ways. Khabib was able to cut off corners for Connor. Connor did not have the fluidity of movement that you would typically expect from Connor McGregor. And I think that was part of not being sharp and actually doing the full set of practicing. Uh, you know, not to make excuses, but like the Conor that showed up Saturday night was not the same Conor McGregor we've seen in years past. I'll, I'll just put it to you uh, bluntly. Uh, so it made it more easy pickings for uh, Khabib to stand and trade with Conor, which is something that people were not expecting. And then once Khabib got Conor on the ground, I mean, he was just making Con- uh, Conor his chew toy, uh, essentially, 
Connor was doing everything illegal in the book. I mean, from illegal knees, grabbing the fence, trying to hook the hands. I mean, Connor was literally breaking every rule, and Herb D was tr uh, trying to keep Connor in it by not like taking away points, which he should have. Uh, but all in all, it was not a good look for Connor. But of course, all anyone's talking about is Khabib just losing his mind post match and going after uh, uh, Tyler Dennis on in Connor's camp and, and essentially starting a riot. Uh, I mean, Khabib just lost his mind. You can't do that. It, but again, these are all mentally disturbed individuals. Connor just threw, uh, had thrown a dolly through a truck in the uh, in a bus. Uh, uh, a, a dolly through a bus in New York uh, that uh, he thought Khabib was on, injuring multiple people. Uh, you know, Connor is a criminal. I mean, he he literally rolled up with a pack of hooligans, and you know, it, it, it's just it's gangs of New York essentially. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to describe this as. I mean, you got Khabib's uh, Russian friends. Uh, I, I mean, honestly. You know, not, not to, like, play the race card or anything, but, you know, uh, the national media just covered this, uh, like, saying a brawl. Guaranteed, if any of these guys uh, were Mexican or black, they would have called them thugs, which is what they are. I, I mean, this is just, like, gangs. This is literally gangs. Uh, you know, Connor, Connor's got his uh, crew. Uh, Khabib's got his crew. Connor sucker punched one of Khabib's quarterman, so... Uh, one of Khabib's guys storms the cage and starts wailing on Connor. Uh, you know, it was just a mess. It's a complete black eye for the UFC, and it's Dana White's own doing because guess what? That same footage of Connor throwing a dolly through a bus, Dana decides to use it for promoting the fight in the first place. It, uh, it's utter madness what the UFC allowed to go on, and it took away from the fight, and it also took away from. The guy who I think should be the true number one contender, Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson put on a hell of a show against uh, uh, Anthony uh, Pettis, the former lightweight champ, and no one's paying attention to Ferguson. I think Ferguson could beat both Khabib and Connor, and no one's talking about Ferguson. Ferguson's taking it in stride because he realized that, realistically, Khabib could have his visa stripped, Khabib could be stripped of the title which I'm sure what the Connor fans want. They just want Connor in the title fight again. But guess what? It, Tony Ferguson should get the next title shot. And guess what? Tony Ferguson's going to win the next title shot because I don't think Connor in his current form can actually last two rounds with Tony Ferguson. And the way Khabib still looks a little stilted on his stand-up game, I think Tony Ferguson smashes him. Uh, you know, regardless of how this all plays out, I think Tony Ferguson is the next UFC lightweight champion, but no one will be paying attention to it because of all this nonsense between uh, Khabib and uh, uh, McGregor. I think we're, uh, we'll probably see a situation where Dana pulls some strings to make sure that Khabib doesn't get suspended in Nevada because Connor's suspended in New York, so they, the fight can't be in New York. So if it can't be in New York, it's probably going to have to be in uh, Vegas. And I, I, I look at it as a case where you know, uh, Dana's going to have to try to pull some strings to make sure Khabib uh, doesn't uh, get suspended in Nevada, which I, I would think he should be. Uh, but, you know, Vegas operates in a different uh, set of logic than 
we normally would be accustomed to. So I think Dana White makes some things happen, and uh, you, you see a rematch uh, between Connor and Khabib. Not that it's warranted because it was still pretty one-sided of a fight, but just because it's going to uh, sell well for uh, pay-per-view, uh, that's where the UFC is most likely to go from here. So, uh, you know, that's that's where I kind of view things. Uh, to- Ferguson, uh, I think, ends up getting the short end of the stick here uh, unless Khabib gets stripped and then it becomes Ferguson versus Connor for the lightweight title. But, you know, the guy who wins out here is Connor because, you know, he lost handily and he's still probably going to get another title shot again because that's, uh, it, that's the way the UFC seems to operate. I, I think we got to chase the acronym to... Uh, United for Connor instead of Ultimate Fighting Championship because you know th- this ain't, this ain't fighting this is like this is a, a circus and Connor McGregor is the ringmaster of said circus and it's not Dana White he ain't in the driver's seat anymore uh, uh, no matter how much Dana White wants to pretend he is Connor took the raids of, of the wheel long time ago and it's it's only gonna get worse from here uh, because Connor's on a six fight contract this was fight one guarantee that the next fight is going to be high profile yet again so stay tuned uh, for the rest of that folks meanwhile i have been asked to give my thoughts on the yankees red sox series and you know again i i talked about this before and the reason why i just like even with the yankees having tied up the series i don't feel good about the way this team is constructed because of the fact that Throughout the year, Aaron Boone has shown me that he doesn't actually know how to manage a team. So, being perfectly honest, he mismanages the bullpen too much for my liking. I don't trust how he handles his starters. I don't trust his lineup decisions because the fact that uh, Stanton and Sanchez are batting back-to-back doesn't make a lick of sense because it makes it that much easier to pitch around them because they both have the same gaping holes in their swings that it makes it a real easy uh, scouting report if you're pitching two similar batters back-to-back. The fact that we don't actually do any situational hitting, you know, I'm, I'm le- reading off the laundry list of reasons why we're going to lose uh, either to the Red Sox or the Astros. We're not going to the World Series. You know, there are too many things that are wrong with the Yankees. And the Yankees front office, despite the amount of talent that they have, have pivoted in a completely different direction than I was looking for them to be in, uh, to be perfectly frank. Uh, you know, in the offseason, I would say the Yankees uh, should be looking towards getting uh, two left-handers. I would look at Dallas Keuchel uh, of the Astros, and I'd also look at Patrick Corbin of uh, the Diamondbacks. Because they both pitched in pitcher's ballpark. So you kind of already know what you're going to get out of them. Yeah, they're uh, both, uh, I mean, Corbin's in National League. But again, you know, having to travel to places like Coors, you know, this, uh, I would say the ballpark effects should balance out uh, so that his ERA would be around the same. Uh, Keiko pitches in the AL West. You know, obviously you got Oakland and Seattle. So, that uh, deflates the ERA a bit, but I would still say Keiko has pitched in enough big spots, especially against the Yankees. He's pitched well at the Yankee Stadium. That those are two guys I would be looking at the target. I don't know what the Cashman's going to do, but you know, I, I again, I don't trust this pitching staff because the starters aren't quite there. Jay Happ got lit up by the Red Sox already. You're relying on Severino. 
but you have Sanchez behind the plate, which doesn't make a lick of sense because Sanchez and Severino don't get on the same page often enough. Romine should be behind the plate. You should be DHing uh, Sanchez if you want his bat in the lineup so bad. And Stanton's got to be out in the field. You know, Stanton being on the DH constantly is not necessarily a good thing because he doesn't get any reps in the field. So he's always cold when he's in his at-bats. You know, there again, there were too many things that I see with the Yankees that could be tweaked upon that Aaron Boone doesn't even contemplate. It's like it's it's like in one ear, out the other. Do, 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 do. I, I mean, honestly, you could play the Andy Griffith show, and that reminds me of what uh, Aaron Boone is. It's like literally he's in the town of Mulberry, not a care in the world. And, you know, he's managing in the biggest media capital of the world. It's incomprehensible that you could have someone so clueless running a franchise honestly this would be uh at, well i i would say yeah this is uh this is our equivalent of the art how years with the mets uh because this screams art how <laughs> in terms of managerial comparison that's who aaron boone reminds me of uh and not in a flattering way whatsoever so i, I i'm just in a cranky mood today the rangers stink the uh, the Yankees have multiple flaws. The Giants, you know, I've already gone into my tirade on the Giants. The Giants are just just abysmal. You know, the NFL in general just has like a slew of coaches that have no business being head coaches. I, I, I mean, I'll get into some of my rants. Like Hugh Jackson not realizing that his team won the game in overtime is just pathetic. I mean, literally, Hugh Jackson's calling his players off the field. Your kicker just hit a walk-off field goal. It, it, you know, it's it's embarrassing. J- <laughs> Jason Garrett of the Cowboys, literally just clapping on the uh, clapping on the sidelines like an idiot when his team is struggling to move the football on offense because it looks like it's limited play calls with no way for Dak to audible out of a play or for receivers to run option routes I mean they're literally just running button hooks and you know no there's no creativity with the Dallas offense I mean it's one of the marquee franchises they can't get on the same page you you got an indie team uh that can't figure out how to I I mean I I just you know in in indie struggles like were driving me up the wall as well I mean, Indy literally came across as a college football team playing the Patriots because of schematics. Like, Indy just looks so limited compared to when they play high-profile teams. And I don't want to hear it that it's because the roster isn't there yet. The Indy has had enough high draft picks the last couple of years with Andrew Luck being injured that it's inexcusable for them to be this bad. Then you have the Titans, who can't even beat the Bills. The Bills, who who barely, barely can actually uh, throw a football forward, let alone uh, effectively uh, block for uh, you, you get you got uh, uh, Josh Allen like running for his life half the time. Like the Titans can't uh, win a game there, and Mariota throws for two hundred yards, less than two hundred yards yet again. You know there are so many things that are wrong with the NFL right now. You know, you have these teams trying to go to college-style offenses, and you have teams that are incapable of running offenses. 
I mean, you know, if college style offenses could could actually be effective in the NFL, maybe guys like Ryan Tannehill would be useful. But guess what? Those guys still can't run college offenses because the athletes are better in the pro level. That's why college style offenses realistically uh, would have to stay in college unless you have supreme talent. And again, this is the thing. There's a dearth of talent at the top of the food chain in the NFL, and these teams continually try to run offenses that these teams cannot execute. You got Aaron Rodgers uh, still, even if you don't think he's better than Tom Brady, still the number two QB in the league, throwing for X number of yards, but struggling in the first half because he doesn't have an offensive line. And yet somehow people expect that not having an offensive line a rookie QB is going to come in and do a great job. You know, it's it's idiotic the way uh, people look at uh, football these days and then commentate on it. It's like I, I you know, the fans are fans are ends up end up being moronic because the commentators are morons. They don't give people the information they need to know to understand why certain routes don't work in certain situations, why certain play calls are absolute hot garbage compared to what uh, needs to be uh, called. You know, I mean, I look at the Broncos on Sunday against the Jets. Like, the Jets took the Broncos to school, and realistically, talent-wise, these two teams should be relatively similar. It's just embarrassing how how it's uh, being managed uh, by these uh, franchises. That's all there is to say about it. You know, I, I, I can't put it any more plainly than that. You know, I'm just cranky this morning because it's just not good football. Just not watching good football. And, yeah, I I know the Giants got a game on Thursday night. We're probably going to get our asses kicked there, too. Because the simple fact of the matter is is that there are too many teams that are not prepared to play NFL football. And, I like, even if I was evaluating talent on certain teams – you know, you have teams that just have no business being out on the field, and why they can't scout properly is beyond me. I don't understand this. If you have a job to dedicate to scouting players, it should not be this difficult. It really shouldn't be this difficult. I I don't know what else to say about that. You know, I'm already dreading this Thursday night game against the Eagles because I know the Eagles uh, are not playing to the level. But I think the Giants are a lot closer to a 5-win team than they are to a 10-win team. Uh, And, you know, it's a scary thought because as well as Saquon has played, this season could get a whole lot worse for the Giants before it actually even slightly looks less embarrassing. And it's because you got an offensive line that stinks and you got a big mouth wide receiver that's still screwing up on place, it, you know, and still t- throwing his entire team under the bus. It's it's absolutely frustrating watching. Yes, the the Giants are not that talented, but man, it, there's so many things wrong with the Giants. You know, I could spend at least two hours like telegraphing everything wrong with the New York Football Giants, and it would not be remedied this year because the uh, the off season was a failure. The draft was it, uh, still incomplete from what I had already ranted about months ago. I could see this coming. Oh, man, I am not looking forward to this Thursday night game whatsoever.
All right, that's enough me like uh, just complaining about everything. So I'm gonna wrap up the show. Uh, maybe I'll get around to doing a show for Thursday night, even though I would not even be remotely interested. In it. And you know, maybe the Yankees surprise me, give me some good news. But uh, that's all for now. Uh, have a good one, folks. It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll, I'll take Giselle, okay? <laughs> is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.